wig? Did you just say wig? Wig, okay. flying oh my god caitlin hello 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 my darling hello i'm the <laughs> queer modern dandy martyr and i'm pink the color of camp c tepper and this is wigging out <laughs> and today we're talking about camp, camp. specifically camp. notes on camp um me and caitlin had the opportunity this afternoon to visit the met on fifth avenue and see the notes on camp exhibition or the fashion exhibition and oh, if we thought it was so inspiring that oh. we should have a little podcast episode yeah. dedicated to it. We're <laughs> going to talk about the fashion, the history, and all, everything in between. And how mm-hmm. it relates to queer nightlife and specifically drag. Specifically drag. Specifically <laughs> drag. Yes. Um, Caitlin, <laughs> do you want to go into the little bit of history? I know you've written about it in your book. Yeah, so I wrote about it in my book. And when I was doing the research, there really wasn't that much information about camp in dr- in relation to drag performance, which is what I was interested in. But what I found was, I think with the modern day idea of what a campy queen, quote unquote, is, it has a direct relation to the British Panto Theater, which is a type of theatrical um, like plays for children's stories. But they always had this role called the dame that's usually the hero's mother, and it's played by... A, a man like very obviously a man for comic effect so like the dame character if you know who dame edna is it's kind of like that type of situation so that's kind of like the direct like modern blueprint she would be like a heightened sort of like monster-in-law kind yeah of she's very very funny very obviously a man mm-hmm. but like you know making fun of not actual women but just like such a heightened version a, of a character of a woman. Yeah, very character. Okay. So when we look at camp, um, it's always been associated with effeminate homosexuality. I love those. <laughs> In 1909, the Oxford English Dictionary classified camp as ostentatious, exaggerated, affected, theatrical, effeminate, or homosexual, pertaining to characteristics of homosexuals. And so that was the definition of the time. But as time went on, it kind of changed. And particularly through the 60s to the 80s, there were a lot of films, television shows, musical acts, and fashion styles that were considered camp. John Waters' films are considered camp with Divine. And there was Susan Sontag, who documented it and, like, took it to the, like, n- like gave it a more clear definition of that time period she more than it, what it was. She made it more serious. Um, yeah. As she, most people had said before. Yeah. For According to her, she said camp emphasized artifice, frivolity, naive middle-class pretentiousness, and shocking excess. She also states that camp is performing pop culture in quotation marks. Though according to her, camp might be done purposely or accidentally. Sontag ultimately concludes it's good because... Because it's awful. So things that have been considered campy include the Batman television series in the 60s, The Addams Family in the 60s, and Dynasty in the 80s, films such as The Valley of the Dolls in 1967, The Rocky Horror Picture Show in 1975, and Mommy Dearest in 1981. And musicians like Liberace, Destiny Springfield, Cher, and Nicki Minaj, and honestly, I would say Cardi B right now too, and actresses such as Mae West, Judy Garland, Marlena Dietrich, 
and Mar- Marilyn Monroe are all considered camp queens. <laughs> and um, Sontag's definition comes from her famous essay, her 1964 essay, Notes on Camp, yes. um, which is the name of the exhibition, clearly. That um, we went to. That we went to. Um, I, I have some problems with her essay, but overall, I do think it's a good introduction of what camp could be and can be. It, I think it was like the first time that someone just sat down and was like, this is a thing that's actually happening. Yeah. Let's t- discuss it. Let's explore what it is. She's like defining it for the first time. Yes. And um, I think that's useful. My problem is... We needed is, a blueprint. We needed a blueprint. My problem is is that a lot of people hold the document to like a higher standard, standard, like the Bible of camp. And like, it's more of a suggestion and less of a a doctrine, I think. Yeah. Uh, And it was also very of her time. Agreed. Which it was a very campy time, Mm -hmm. of course. Like Mm -hmm. we do look back at the 60s through the 80s as a very, very campy time. Mm -hmm. But there was so much more and there's so much more that she didn't include, I feel like. I agree. Um, going back to your, um, comment on homosexuality yes. and its relation to camp, oh. I'm going to quote Miss Sontag. Yes. Um, and sh- so she has like these little bullet points. Um, she has about 50, how many, 57, 58, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And, um, she only mentions homosexuality a few times, okay. but they're towards the end of the essay. Um, specifically notes, uh, 51 through 53, have a lot of um, comments on it. And um, 51 says, the peculiar relation between camp taste and homosexuality has has to be explained. While it's not true that camp taste is homosexual taste, there is no doubt a peculiar affinity and overlap. So not all homosexuals have camp taste, but homosexuals by and large constitute the vanguard and mm. the most articulate audience of camp. Um, and then she continues down um, on note 53. Um, Nevertheless, even though homosexuals have been its vanguard, camp taste is much more than homosexual taste. Um, and she says, um, yet yeah, one feels that if homosexuals hadn't more or less invented camp, someone else would. And I think that's an interesting point that like, while it's associated with homosexuality, it's not necessarily an attribute. Not every homosexual no. is yeah. camp. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and people outside of camp, like those uh, those specific television shows and um, celebrities that you mentioned, mm-hmm. not all of them are homosexual. Intent- oh, well, yeah, well, that's yeah. Or and a lot of it's not intentionally campy. Like yeah. like during the whole Met Gala thing, um, Celine Dion was in attendance, mm-hmm. and they're like, she had no idea what camp was. Like, they, and they're like, you are camp. That's that's who you are. And she just like could not figure that out. Emmy Great <laughs> is agreeing somewhere in the yeah. distance. Um, Emmy Great uh, attributes all her personality to Celine Dion. Don't fight me, Emmy. You'll never listen to this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like they become camp because homosexuals help celebrate it. I feel like celebrate. Yeah. I keep saying homosexuals like it's the sixties. Like um, <laughs> those um, so queer people like make these queer icons to be like sort of like representative of themselves. Like yes. they're living like their truth. Yeah. But they want to see represented. In it's kind of like an icon or an avatar for mm. who, whoever you are. Yeah. Mm. And it's usually, um, things that have high, um, femininity aspects to that. Not always, but, or exaggerated performance. I just feel exaggerated like. features, excess and celebrity. fashion, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and the exhibition kind of goes into that. It's, um, Specifically in the exhibition, there's a section called Failed Seriousness, and it says um, Susan Sontag presents an opposition between naive camp and deliberate camp, and she considers naive camp to be um, unconscious and unintentional, while deliberate camp to be calculated 
and manufactured, stating camp, which knows itself to be camp, is usually less satirical or satisfying. For mm-hmm. Sontag, the essential element of naive camp is a seriousness that fails, basically. Yeah. You're be trying to be taken seriously. And like, you flop. But, like, it's not even that. It's, like, you're probably, like, very over-the-top and dramatic, and you're thinking the world revolves yeah. around you. Um, she also said that, like, not ev- everything that takes itself seriously and fails is camp. No, of course um, not. But I think uh, a lot of the cult classic films and... Um, Were box office failures. Or box office office failures. I'm thinking of, like, The Room and Rocky Horror Picture Show um, specifically. That like well, the Rocky Horror Picture Show they were intentionally like trying to make it campy because the uh, movie studio wanted to give them a lot more money to do it, and the director was like, "Nope, we're making it on no money." I um, mm-hmm. this is a side, but mm-hmm. I love that movie, but it gets really boring in the middle. Um, <laughs> it gets really boring at the end. <laughs> I love the end. The end's a mess. It's like the beginning and the end are like masterpieces. Yeah, but, that's true. Um, the middle is like so fucking boring. <laughs> no, I don't, the, it's a weird movie. <laughs> um, but. It's hard to, like, we're having a trouble defining camp right it's, now. Yeah, and, like... But I, so, so does Susan Sontag. Yeah, like. it, it's just kind of, like, it, everyone has their own version of what camp is. Mm-hmm. But there's some agreed-upon versions. Yeah. Basically. Um, I, I've, uh, since the exhibition's been out, especially during the Met Gala, uh, Gala, excuse me, Gala, uh, gala um, shout, shout out to Harajuku, um, um, there was a lot of cr- criticism for the, the fashion about like is this camp yeah is it camp we'll get into that later yes. but um mm. that the ultimate question is like is this camp and i feel like something could be camp to me that isn't camp to you yeah i mean we even when we were at the there were certain things mm. that you're like this is not camp i was like i hate uh, there was one garment that looked like a bunch of patchwork um just empty shards of yeah. fabric that like yeah. were sewn together and i was like this is the ugliest thing in the world but i mean that's what <laughs> camp is as well you know yeah. it's unintentional maybe yeah i, I, don't, I know. don't know if that one was supposed to be intentional i don't though. know that that one like kind of blurred the line it kind of was like a sore thumb in it. Mm-hmm. it it was just sort of like a mm, i don't know yeah um but and there's there another section where it was the gucci uh suits do you remember that the vogue not the oh, Vogue, the uh, Gucci. Um, I think it was. Gucci. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, um, they had a bunch of. They're calling it the modern dandy or how the modern oh, yeah, dandy see, survives, and it was just a bunch of like Gucci suits that had like the um, logo, the logo all over it. And I was mm-hmm. like, how is this camp? It just looks like a bad runway. Well, the <laughs> thing, I it was less about the costume and more about me imagining who would be wearing it. Mm-hmm. I think that would make it more campy. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I guess like. Yeah, just the like line. also like the funny thing about like, because the um the ga- the gallery exhibition is more about fashion, mm-hmm. and we're obviously more interested in drag. So mm-hmm. like, the performance aspect is totally missing there because yeah. it's just on you it's know, just models. On, yeah, <laughs> so you have to you have to kind of like imagine who's wearing the garment. Mm. Like one of my favorites was the Liberace. They mm-hmm. didn't even say Liberace. A lot of them they didn't like say who would who actually wore it. Like if someone famous for it but they're the ones even though it is i guess campy on its own the person wearing it is what's making it campy yeah not the other way around and again we'll get into that we're gonna get to the met um gala yeah fashion. we have a lot to talk we'll, about we'll get into that but i just want to talk about the basics of camp and finish this yes, sec- little section up but um i yeah like i said i don't think camp is necessarily a homosexual thing but i definitely think we perfected it yeah <laughs> well it's also like a very like cis straight woman unintentional thing like to me uh-huh. the ultimate like the current quote-unquote current like 
camp icon would be like a 50s housewife in a mm. kitschy kitchen like that's my life now very retro <laughs> like cooking for the husband like that's like the, the imagery that i associate with camp so it'd be like mm. a idealized version a specific idealized version of like femininity and yours is specifically in like the 50s yeah like 50s the housewife. 50s housewife and mm. a lot of drag queens reference that as well yeah i agree yeah mm. um i think a lot of my queer friends specifically my cis uh my cis male friends idolize a lot of like pop stars yes and, and i think that's because we we from our youth we didn't really get to like enjoy them as much as we could have um so we like look at to them and be like they're living this life that we kind of miss out on mm. because they're having like a fun little like poppy teenage girl kind of well moment. it's okay <laughs> because they're women you but know women, yeah. yeah it's okay that they get to do it because they're women so they can dress like that they can wear dresses things like that <sighs> mm. i love a good dress yeah um. or heels and crystals mm -hmm. and be shiny and wear makeup and it's socially acceptable yeah so i think our little moment is mostly homosexuals define camp and create camp because they're making a life that they themselves do not have. Yeah, and they're making the world a brighter place because mm -hmm. camp is about shiny and standing out and, like, drawing attention to yourself. And mm -hmm. I think, like, the average cis heterosexual person, they just want to fit in and not stand out and mm -hmm. just conform, conform, conform. Well, I was mm -hmm. thinking about this again when um, we were in the exhibition that a lot of queer people, especially I'm thinking, like, Paris is Burning, um, for the Vogue balls, living this like fantasy of realness. Yes. Um, that is a false version of what we think people act. Yeah. Or, or look like. Um, yeah. It's, and we usually create it out of like a small budget sort of like we give you this fantasy of yes. looking like we have our shit together, <laughs> basically. It's like an unattainable goal. So you have to, mm. it's like imagining yourself because it, yeah. it especially like Paris's burning time, mm. they were so oppressed. Like mm. they could never get to that status, mm -hmm. which was, disgusting and unfortunate but mm. that's the reality of the time period yeah and um i mean for m my drag personally let's get into my drag personally. Oh, oh of course i know <laughs> um i draw on my very fake beard uh-huh because i can't grow a beard yeah and i think that's a little campy that's very, i mean that's pretty <laughs> fucking campy because um, like if you were like very masculine and like securing your masculinity you'd be like "Ooh, this is my beard anyway this is my beard. yeah <laughs> even if you had like no beard you'd be like yeah. this is my beard this is my beard this is my beard um the only beards i have now are um a lot of women um <laughs> 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 me uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but to sort of have create that own fantasy of like having a a beard but also looking I'll say somewhat feminine. I don't think I look high femme at all, but well, that's not really <laughs> your drag, but it's more about being kitschy and standing yeah. out. And I feel like having a very obviously fake beard mm. is a part of the camp aesthetic. Yeah, mm. for sure. Why not? Um, and some people do it to look pretty. Some people do it to look ugly. And I do a combination of both. And both. that's camp though. Camp <laughs> can be extreme ugliness or extreme gorgeousness. I know. Just, it's the eye of the beholder. Okay. I think we delved into at least the beginnings of camp. You're probably leaving this conversation and be like, what the fuck is camp? And I, honestly, we, we don't know either. We can't tell you. <laughs> there's, there's so, like, even, like, going to the museum, there was so much I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So, like, it, the definition, definition keeps expanding, but it's basically, I guess, like, performative fashion that stands out and 
it can be kitschy, it can be modern, but it's very, it brings attention to itself. You know it when you see it. You do know it when you see it, I feel like. Um, and with that, we're going to take a little break. Yeah. And we're going to go into the exploring the exhibition itself. Okay. And how it represents camp Ooh. and the homosexuals. Uh, the, all the homosexuals. <laughs> okay. See you in a second. Bye. Bye. Um, you know what the most campiest thing of Notes on Camp was? What? The line. Oh, uh, <laughs> We had an experience, Oh, wait, we had an experience. Um, so, uh, as, as some of you know, I, I graduated um, from NYU with my museum studies master's degree. Mm-hmm. So, um, talking about museum exhibitions is what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is why this episode is kind of like, it works for all of us. Because yeah. I'm interested in the history. You mm-hmm. are interested in museums. So, mm-hmm. here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we're going to talk about this exhibition as uh, purely as an exhibition format. Not We're not going to bring in any outside sources, really. But we're just going to talk about it like how it works in the setting that it is in and how it works telling the the history and the and cultural importance of camp. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, we yeah, we got to Fifth Avenue around, like, what, 4, 4 p.m.? Something like that. Yeah, something, uh, something like that. And we went in line, and we, we had a fun time with the guards. There was, there was a lot of lines going it, on today. It was surprisingly long. Um, it was about, like, I think we waited for, like, 20 minutes about. Um, but once we get in, we go right into sort of like this long decorated hallway and we give, it gives you the history and knowledge of camp. And then we go into this big old open room yeah. of that has, uh, you probably seen on Instagram. A lot of people, were a lot of people have taken photos, taken photos of it. It's yeah. just like this wall of costumes and, um, everything camp, um, that they can think of it everything ca- that th- they didn't have space for. They put it here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it kind of reminded me of like the Christmas displays at like Macy's or Bloomingdale's where you see all the, like, all the fashion like costumes Wonderment. that people are, people are trying to sell you. I actually have never seen those. I know I'm you never. I, I don't go up there. <laughs> yeah, no, like it's like rows and rows. Like every single mm. like store has like the. I, the I know of them. Costumes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, uh, it, it reminded for, me of that for me. It reminded me of like um, like window shopping. Yeah, Disney Disney World has like sort of a similar thing. They do okay. it like year round. It's on like Main Street, um, but they're like very isolated windows of. Uh, scenes and fantasies yeah and different designers <laughs> yeah. in each one yeah yeah um so the layout of the actual exhibition i thought was pretty streamlined it like brought you yes it was great i thought uh, uh uh physically it was it really worked for like what they were trying to like teach you yeah basically. and historically too yeah it, it followed an actual linear yeah. timeline which i feel like sometimes doesn't happen um because like especially with like such a weird um, concept of camp it could get really messy really fast if it's just like all over the place yeah and it's a hard concept we're having a hard time ca- yeah. grasping it but I think they did a great job as far as like explaining a very broad definition yeah of camp. I agree mm-hmm. um, specifically comparing it to um, Heavenly Bodies l- last year um, which I did not go to I, I did go to that um, it was a goddamn mess oh, at the really? Fifth Avenue um, nothing worked and <laughs> oh. it was just like it was very messy for like what it was it, it, it didn't was, like narratively it didn't make it sense. didn't make any yeah. sense but um it was a success at the cloisters uh, yeah. um when sense. the clothes were in conversation with uh religious objects oh um and i think with this show they kind of learned from that and uh, they yeah. put like different objects that are related to camp 
I love that. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. I wasn't expecting that either, especially because it's like a fashion institute sponsored. Yeah, it, it's really exhibition. more about the fashion of camp mm-hmm. rather than like camp performance, which yeah. is what we're interested in. There were a few paintings that were inside. And there were like figurines. Figurines. Books. Um, they, uh, me and uh, Caitlin were talking about the posture that they really focused on. Yeah. Um, one's, um, one, if you're an art history nerd, it's called Contraposto. Contra, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's the asymmetrical body proportions of um, Greek and Roman statues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very effeminate. Kind of, because it's um, it's uh, one leg. All the weight is on one leg, one leg, and the others is just sort of like flopped about. Not yeah. really flopped about, but it's just sort of like a royal pompous stance. Yes. Um, and there was examples of the Greek and Roman statues, like I said, but also like uh, King Louis the Fourteenth and no, his brother. <laughs> his brother, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> his gay ass brother. Love him. Um, but which you- was great. Oh my! I was just so excited. Like, cause I didn't like I when I was researching camp, that shit did not come up for me, honey. Uh-huh. No. Um. Yeah, they, they kind of like whittled down that like camp, the camp, um, like camp, like historical figures, yeah, who like kind of like represented the times of the movement. Mm-hmm. So like, King Louis's brother, and then Oscar Wilde, because I love Oscar Wilde, but mm-hmm. I never really associate. Obviously, Oscar Wilde's kind of campy, but he mm-hmm. was more like a commentary person mm-hmm. to me but i never really thought of him in a camp context so it was really nice to see that put um, together well i told you while we were in the <laughs> exhibition um i read this from a gay autobiography of an artist i forget the artist's name joe bernard oh. brainerd brainerd something like that mm-hmm. um and he talks about um wearing green on a tuesday yeah. was representative of oscar wilde i guess like Os- that was like oscar's color maybe it was like a green tulip or something mm-hmm. green flower represented like that was how other homosexuals like found out that they were both like both homosexual um so it's sort of like a premature hanky code and like <laughs> well they were also saying in the actual um exhibit that peacocks represented like if you were gay or not and um oscar wilde had like a whole coat with the just giant peacock on mm-hmm. it embroidered mm-hmm. and like i never knew that i never yeah. knew like a peacock feather was like a signifier of homosexuality i guess like mm-hmm. a lot of camp had like codes and secrets. it had to have yeah definitely especially oscar wilde's mm-hmm. time we all know what happened to him yeah. so like <laughs> Oop. it had uh, to have been <laughs> Um, so I, I like how they like sort of tie it in those like subtle codes into the language of camp. Yeah. Um, so we got kind of a broader understanding that, um, how homosexuals specifically they focus on homosexuals. Yes. It was very, very specific. It was very, uh, uh cis- cisgender male, white male, <laughs> white male homosexuals, usually from Europe. Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe that's just like, not to be like, that's the representation we have, but like, that's that's kind of like what we're I given feel like, I feel lot. like historically that was what was documented so that that's what oh, they for have sure. for sure you know what I mean like no one cared about fucking camp a hundred years ago yeah like this is all we got <sighs> I mean 1960 is getting there I'm just saying no no I'm talking like <laughs> I know pre that, pre I know. that. <laughs> <laughs> um so we go through this line we get to um oh they also talked about sorry i'm going back to the posture they also talked talked about the teapot pose which is hand mm-hmm. on the hip and the arm out like a limp wrist like a limp wrist it's usually like on a cane or something mm. but the limp wrist was around the cane of course um mm. giving you this like pompous sort of um ambiance and like a regality i feel yeah. like yeah and that kind of got into the the dandy um i, I mm-hmm. called myself a, po- a modern dan- a modern queer dandy but a dandy was uh, a, a male, uh, specific, uh, usually a male, 
um, dressing in these like royal, cl- not royal clothes, but like dressed up. It was kind of like pompous. flamboyantly, like there's lots of ruffles. Yeah, like, it was very pompous and um, had this um, over the top air about yeah. it. And it was also like like a riff on feminine clothing without yeah. being feminine yeah. clothing. And um, I pointed this out to Caitlin as well when we were in the exhibition that um, I know dandyism specifically from the queer woman of the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, like Romaine Brooks, who, um, um, that's an artist, sorry. (laughs) Um, No, go ahead. um, And she also uh, was in sort of talks with uh, Gertrude Stein, who's a a poet. Um, And um, she was like, not the first queer dandy, but she was one of the first um, women that painted herself um, as like a queer sort of like uh, masculine woman figure. Um, mm-hmm. And she specifically adopted imagery of the male dandy in her um, artwork. She did a lot of self Well, there was also a lot of drag kings in, like, the mm-hmm. Victorian era who mm-hmm. were very, very popular. The most popular is called Vesta Tilly, but there was other ones as well. And they also obviously appropriated that style because yeah. they were drag kings. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dandy has sort of evolved. It's, it's usually, like, sort of um ambivalent with like just a flamboyantly gay male kind of who has like an air about him um and we've sort of seen that image move slightly um i they kind of talked about it later down the road with the gucci suits specifically Mm -hmm. they're talking about like this um grandiose uh lavish expensive outfit for like who would wear this kind of outfit yeah it wouldn't be a straight guy (laughs) (laughs) Um, honestly, I, when I looked at it, I think of like street fashion. That's what it reminded yeah, me of. Yeah, it gave me, yeah, it gave me street fashion. But like, I, I think a lot of straight guys are into street fashion. Oh, so they are. They, well, <laughs> it's kind of interesting, like where the line blurs yeah. and like how gay can it get yeah. for a straight guy? You know for what I mean? Guy. And I think <laughs> the lines are getting blurrier and blurrier every day. Oh yeah. I mean, and also I just like it. depends on like where you are in the world. Yeah. Like, like I'm obsessed with um, Harajuku fashion and that that's a huge blurred line of like what is queer, what's not queer, mm. what's kawaii, like all that. Um, yeah, we definitely did see like a more white European centric view of fa- just fashion and camp because like I of all the designers, I think. <laughs> I don't think we saw... There was a couple of Asian designers that I liked. Um, My favorite... One of my favorite ones... um, They were... It's called Undercover. Mm -hmm. And um, they did, like, an homage to The Shining. And so they have the two... Yes, I remember this one. So the two girls um, in the movie, the twins who have the blue dresses, Mm -hmm. they kind of did, like, an adult version of that. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the dresses, the blood, is um, all in, like, rhinestones or some sort of, like, red gemstone. And, like, that was an Asian brand, and that was, like... I'm pretty sure that was an Asian brand, if I'm wrong. Sorry. But um, (laughs) it was, like... I loved it. It's like something so of my aesthetic that I would wear. Yeah. And it was not from a, like a European point of view. Yeah. Um, and going more into that, I think we should go into the final room because that was where I had the most issues with everything. Okay. Um, let's just get d- down to it. There was a lot of Moschino. Oh my God. <laughs> there was Ugh. so much Moschino. A Moschino invented <laughs> camp. Don't you know? Um, and I mean, I like some of Jeremy Scott's work. I, I, I do w- too. I won't get into the politics yeah. of some of it, but um, I feel like every other garment yes. was a Moschino. And my other issue with that was specifically um, they showed a lot of like contemporary. Yes, too camp. much. Um, I think the the l- 
earliest thing in the big room was the the cabana um the fruit basket hat oh yeah that was was from from like the 1800s no it was from 1940 oh see it was even (laughs) from that well yeah the earlier in the exhibition there was other stuff from the 1800s yes there is um huge selection not huge selection but they had selection of like um stuff referencing um oscar wilde a lot of oscar wilde which was fabulous um but in the main the final finale kind of room yeah it was a lot of like uh 1980s to now kind of moment and it was a lot of current stuff yeah which i feel like it's too soon to know if this is campy it's weird to be like this is deserves to be in a museum right now i don't know also i feel like moschino had to have been like a sponsor of this like exhibit they, they had, had to have so been. much of jeremy scott's work specifically specifically because <laughs> Jer- moskina wasn't always jeremy yeah. scott like it was very specifically to like now and some of this stuff yes it's absolutely can't be like th- one of my favorites is the cardi b um she's like in an oyster shell the the mugler <laughs> oh uh, that's mugler that was mugler oh see it wasn't even moskina <laughs> but um like like that is contemporary and i feel like yes that's absolutely 100 percent campy but some of the stuff is just like do we know it's camp yet like yeah. not enough time has passed um <laughs> i pointed this out just to caitlin as well um they had the the moschino i think it was last season or maybe the season prior um it was the dinner plate yes. cape it's the um what's it called microwave dinner microwave dinner yeah it's basically like just giant cape it has like um, mixed greens, mashed potatoes, some gravy, and in dress form. In dress form, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a kimono, I think. Kind of, it kind of looks like bit. one, yeah, a little bit. Um, and it's not that old. It's really not that old. It's literally like a couple seasons ago. Yeah, and it was falling apart. It yeah. looked, it was cracking. It was just like it was not. It was not in good shape. And I was like, why is this here? Yeah, basically. Well, that's called fast fashion. <laughs> fast fashion. Yeah, really. Um. And then we saw other examples from Moschino that I was upset. Uh, the only one I didn't uh, like and I thought should have been included was the McDonald's um, uniform outfit. Yeah. Um, they had the, they even had like a trademark sort of description of it. Yeah. Um, it was just literally a sweater with the golden arches on it, but it said Moschino instead of McDonald's. Um. <laughs> what does that get to go into like the ultimate room of what's camp? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was... A lot of the decisions in the final room were modern, and maybe that was supposed to be like, let's leave on a high note, or well, like, let's I mean, see maybe, where it's going. Yeah, basically. maybe like, okay, so like the average person going through this has no idea what camp is, knows probably nothing about gay culture, anything queer culture. Mm. So like, this is like the most in the fa- in your face version of where you could see camp today. Yeah, but who decides what camp is? Like, it's too soon. I feel like I I agree. I think it's too soon, but it's also like stuff that like. It would be in the popular eye and people would know about it. Yeah. It's not like a underground. Like, I feel like camp has always been like an underground, like mm-hmm. the secret codes. Like the things secret like, codes. Like, <laughs> like if you're like fashion week in, in all the press and all the news, mm-hmm. is it that campy if it's so celebrated? I yeah. don't know. Um, maybe it was for the fashion fags. Sorry. I said fag <laughs> or whatever. Um, okay. Who just wanted mm-hmm. to see the most latest sort of like. They're like, oh, Classic I know. Items. Oh, I know that brand, you know. Or not even that. It's just sort of like, uh, um, oh, I saw the, like the. Let's go back to the Mugler. Cardi yeah. B just wore that this year. Yeah, literally. Um, so or like, like maybe, last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, but I like that because that to me was camp. Oh, I agree. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I agree. That's because a lot of this stuff. I mean, obviously it's all debatable, but 
that I could. I'm like, yep, that's camp. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm saying that it was in a public public spot spotlight yes. recently, yes. and maybe that for the museum was like, oh, this is here. Let's it, show well, that. Yeah, out. it's a draw to get people to come to the yeah. museum, which is obviously the whole point of having an exhibit. It's not just about learning. Like the museum needs people to come there. Yeah, spend their money. Um, what other parts? Uh, what do you have any standout items? Yeah, in the room? I do. I do. So one of my favorites was, um, so they're kind of next to each other. I talked actually about the other ones. So the last two ones that really stood out to me were, um, they have the Bob Mackie outfit Mm -hmm. that is like just all shiny, just shimmering. It's it's just like your eyes are just all over the place. I'm assuming that was for Cher. That outfit. It looked looked Like My (laughs) issue with the thing was, um, they didn't say who wore it. And that would have, like, helped me put connect the dots a little bit. I would have loved, like, a supplementary um, document that showed, like... Someone wearing it. Someone wearing it. Or, yeah. like, what show it was in. Or, like, they, like, stated what show it was in. Um, but they never showed it, like, in conversation with other pieces that were in the show. That's true, too. Because, like, what if that's the only standout item, basically? Yeah. So I'm assuming that was for Cher, but it was so gorgeous. It really, like took your breath away it was it, that to me was camp for sure and then like right next to it is the liberace outfit mm-hmm. which also they don't say it's liberace like it was so liberace i though. mean like <laughs> it comes with like a w- they paired it with like a like some sort of swarovski like um hair piece that like makes it look like liberace yeah clearly it's liberace it's yeah. like it's like an all like swarovski i'm assuming swarovski mm-hmm. like out suit and it's just so shiny and gorgeous and, like, those two were, like, the standouts to me in the whole room. Though I do love me some, like, ruffles and, like, pink frilly shit. But, yeah, those two. And they were next to each other. So those were my favorite, like, standout pieces. Um, I really liked the um, Victor and Rolf pieces, the Tool pieces. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Tool is having a moment right now. Yeah. Um, specifically, um, shout out to, uh, I think, Brooklyn performer, Lemon Chiffon. Yes, she's Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> she makes her own Tool dresses, and she's a few other people have like worn them. I've worn it. Have you? <laughs> yeah, I wore it at the Glam Awards. Oh, it reminded cute. me so much of that dress that Lemon let me borrow for the Glam Awards. It's so, Lemon's designs are stunning. Thorgy's been wearing her stuff lately, so shout the, out to Lemon. They're mm-hmm. They're honestly gorgeous but um the met the the met had like i think four yeah it was a lot of um tool going on did i think they're all victor and rolf a good majority were yeah um they had the famous um go big or go home saying on the front i think that was from the last um, collection is that victor rolf yeah that's what it looked Uh, like yeah 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 that Um, nina west um like did a shout out to at um la jackon yeah (laughs) Um, and I had some other pieces that I liked. I mostly like the head pieces. Yes, um, me too. I'm not really much of a dress person, but um, I love a good thing that to glue on my face. Um, and I like the shoes too. Like some the, of the shoes were cute. I liked fuzzy shoes. Oh, there was that um, purple shoe that was just gorgeous. Oh yeah, yeah. <gasps> um, I really enjoyed. They had a uh, flamingo headpiece. Yeah, um, it was so good. Um, it was basically just like a, a sort of like a toucan looking snout. I, I know it was a flamingo, but it looked <laughs> like a toucan. And then they had two flamingos like coming out into the um, crest of the head and like sort of like kissing in the front. And they had like wings f- coming out. So speaking of birds, they had Bjork's um, swan dress. I know. The infamous one. The infamous. <laughs> um, they didn't have any eggs, surprisingly. Oh, yeah. She, that was her uh, purse. Yeah. Um, but they did have the uh, they had a few like feathery uh, feathery 
um, dresses. A lot, yeah. Um, I was disappointed that a lot of the whites didn't hold up. They did not hold up. Um, they were very gray. They are very discolored. Um, and I don't know if that's just age or if they can't, like, I don't know. I, I just have a feeling, like, especially with that dress, like, the iconic dress, I have a feeling that it's been exhibited a lot. Yeah. So it's probably been on public display a lot and it's just, like, aged it. I mean, restoration's a thing, but... <laughs> it is, but... Um, for this time. And the one overarching thing, I, uh, I'm going to mention two more campy things and then I think we're going to take another break. Yes. Because <laughs> um, it, it's great for us to talk about it, but it's different when you're actually there. Yeah. Um, my, throughout the exhi- exhibit, you hear Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Judy Garland mm-hmm. twice. You hear it at the beginning of the exhibition. Um, it's only like the few beginning bars, but and, and that's from the original um, um, Wizard of Oz movie. And then at the big finale room, you hear her. I think it's her, her last recording of this. Song. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That it's, they were different recordings. Yeah, it was different recordings. And um, it was just like sort of like a transitional moment of like then and now. I mean, Judy's been gone for 50 years now. <laughs> As we know, Stonewall. <laughs> Happy Stonewall. Happy um, Stonewall. <laughs> but... I really liked the sort of transition of like it was going from then to like now. Uh, that was so freaking unconscious. Like yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And I the, love that touch. That's yeah. a great touch. It was really <laughs> cute. Um, and it, it, it was also the older record or I guess the newer recording technically um, was in conversation with the designers talking about like what inspired what, them what was camp to them basically oh, um, i mean judy garland yeah, judy garland right uh, up so there i think someone said was like camp is judy judy garland uh, yeah, yeah judy garland <laughs> um and the judy other Donna. the other camp part that i really liked that was kind of subtle but, um i mean not maybe not subtle you can hear it um you hear typewriting and then you see in the susan sontag room um where they list some of her rules you see them typing out Susan Sontag's notes on camp. It was mm. like above the, all the, um, yeah. The, the finished notes. like typed out. Yeah. Yeah. It, they were just like, and you hear like a typewriter in the background. I was like the, the adding of the typewriter that, that was, I, camp. Didn't, <laughs> I didn't understand why there was a typewriter. I didn't put that together either. I think they were just trying to add that element. No, the I'm, element. I'm glad I went with you because <laughs> I would not like, I didn't know why that was happening. This is, this, this is my second time at the exhibition. I, I definitely liked it the first time more. Um, I think that was more, more to do with the staff and the, um, crowd situation. Yeah. The crowd is where a um, but I, I genuinely did enjoy the exhibition. Absolutely. Well, what I didn't talk about yet is, um, yes, it's obviously Susan Sontag's um, Notes on Camp, but they were very deliberate to include other um, writers who have commentated about camp and, like, mm-hmm. their quotes and their, like, mm-hmm. theories of what camp is after Susan. Mm-hmm. So it was great to, like, because I had no idea because yeah. there, it's such a limited, like, informational source. Like, it was great to know there's other people who are writing about camp as well. So it's not just one linear, yeah. this is what camp is. And yeah. they they went out of their way to include it. Yeah. Um, and to close it off, we can always uh, move forward. Um, camp is not a white man's <laughs> oh my God. thing to define. Well, like, what I think was missing, if mm-hmm. I, we're going to do criticisms, mm-hmm. <laughs> what I think was missing is the female diva perspective. I agree. That is such an important part of... the create like inspiring camp designs and also like bringing forth camp designs like who is wearing these clothing like there's no mention of the type of women who would be wearing it yeah so i feel like that voice was very much missing and 
I guess we can kind of get a glimpse into that in this next section uh, when we talk about the Met Gala. Or Gala. Gala. <laughs> Again, <laughs> thanks, shout, thanks shout out Shuku. to Harajuku. Um, <laughs> and we'll talk about the female celebrities yes. that showed up on the red carpet oh, well, or pink who, carpet. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Some um, of who we mentioned were considered campy before the red carpet yeah. even happened. So mm-hmm. we're going to take a little break and we'll yeah. get into that camp and then the future camp of drag. So Yeah. Let's do it. Bye. Bye. We're back, bitch. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, Caitlin, what are we going to talk about? We are going to talk about the Met Gala. Yay. <laughs> it's actually, honestly, one of my favorite things to watch. You like, me too. Like live. Uh, um, I didn't have time. I was working. I don't know. I just love seeing the pictures come in like slowly on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so this last one was on, I believe, on May 1st. Um, or May I think 4th, you're right. Yeah. Or, uh, beginning of May. Beginning um, of May. And it started with the infamous Lady Gaga. And um, she had a. I think it kind of closed with her. She was kind of towards the end. I'm pretty sure. No, she's the first. Oh, one. was she the she first? Was the oh, first I, one. see, I didn't watch it live, so I just was getting things out of order anyway. Um, she had a 16-minute uh, entrance. Um, which is very camp. And she was styled by um Brendan Maxwell. Um, mm-hmm. and Tiffany and Co did her jewelry, but um, she had four outfit changes. I yes. think. Um, I something like that. And honestly, none of the looks were cute. None of them were campy <laughs> at all to me. But the, the whole, performance, the whole performance was campy. Yeah, she literally just went up and down the stairs like six or seven and times. And she was making a lot of poses with her face, acting very like baby doll. Yeah, very cutesy. Moment. And uh, honestly, um, the Met started then, and it should have ended there because no one could really hold up to her standards um with a few minor exceptions <laughs> i agree but i still think she won but um so we're gonna just list i mean performance wise yeah obviously. performance wise we're just gonna list some people that we thought really stood out well um, the funny thing is because it was like basically two months ago i guess at this point um it's interesting to remember who actually did stand out because obviously when it just is fresh in your head like you remember a lot more but like yeah. over time you realize who are the standouts yeah. as far as camp goes yeah Let's um, do it. <laughs> so I think the next one after Miss Gaga um, that really stood out was Miss Tur, Billy Porter. <laughs> um, oh, yes. Billy Porter was my favorite outfit, I'm pretty sure. He, he was pretty good. Um, he had, he also had a performance. Yeah, it was entrance. more like performance-based <laughs> than um, anything. He was uh, styled by the blondes, um, and he came into like an Egyptian sort of like royal. Yeah, he was carried runway. in. Um, he was carried in with yeah. some muscle men, which was gorgeous. And he's wearing all gold, and he had like um, uh, Iris, like the, the Egyptian god Iris mm-hmm. um, bird uh, like imagery. I hated his makeup. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have any opinion. I, I, I hated his makeup. Um, but It was definitely camp. It was probably one of the most campy. Yeah. To me, it was probably the campiest I think outfit. him and Gaga were king and queen of the yeah, prom absolutely. this year. <laughs> well, also because um, um, Billy Porter just like made waves at the Oscars with that like stunning outfit. I made homage to it at yeah, the Met Gala. Where, uh, <laughs> yeah, where it was like suit on top and then like dress skirt on bottom like it, it yeah. like, just like took everyone's attention i'm glad people there. are paying attention to him he yeah. has he's had some fashion faux pas since then but um, um well i mean now he's <laughs> like now he can like just shine on the red carpet where pr- yeah. before probably he was worried about hurting his career 
Oh, no, I mean, like, now yeah. he's had some fashion faux pas. As in, like, oh, I know, I know that. <laughs> but, like, that, that's part of, like, being in, like, yeah. being a in celebrity. the public. Yeah, being in the public eye and, like, trying to push. I'd rather you have faux pas and, like, try to push yourself than, like, stay safe and be boring as fuck. True. Um, what was one of your favorites, Caitlin? Um, so, one of my favorites, even though we have very mixed feelings about them on this podcast, I really love Casey Musgraves' outfit in Moschino. She's basically a Barbie doll. Oh, she was a Barbie doll. Uh, yeah, she's, a, she's like, she's a natural, I guess she's a natural brunette. That's how she usually presents herself. But she was full-on Barbie doll, like, glam. It was pink. And I think she showed up in a pink Corvette. If I oh, yeah, correctly. she did. She was, like, sitting on the Corvette. She was supposed to be the Moschino doll. Um, yeah, so they have like a doll like was obviously a ripoff to Barbie, but mm. she was like the human embodiment, and they, I I think they were trying to like figure out what person could be it because they were like tossing around people, and she was the perfect fit. She she honestly looked gorgeous. Um, it, it again, it was sort of like camp in the aesthetics and not necessarily a fashion. No, yeah, because I think she was she just had the appearance of like a Barbie doll. Yeah, but, like, it was more like yeah. what they were going for versus yeah. what she was actually wearing. Yeah. My next favorite was um, Mix, Ezra Miller, um, and they were styled by Burberry with makeup by Mimi Koi. I think that's how you pronounce it. They're a Instagram artist um, that like do a lot of makeup that alters the human face. Um, like for example, they have one that like makes it look like she has a tiny face on her face. Yeah, like, it's, it's so gorgeous. cool. I highly suggest her like. Um, her instagram and just look it up because she's so, honestly that's camp just yeah. her makeup um and i ezra, think he found her just like through instagram too yeah Pretty sure that's what happened ezra just sort of like brought that element of camp with just being and ezra himself. is queer yeah so it's nice to see queer people representing camp yeah mm-hmm. for sure um honestly we had a next like sort of queer person with Janelle Monae yeah um and Christina uh mm-hmm. Christian Siriano um, I love Siriano she had this mm-hmm. like giant three top hat kind of moment and then she had like a face on her dress and one of the eyes on uh, like on her left or right side I don't remember one it, was, of her it was on her it was on her chest um it winked at the yeah <laughs> like it so like cute. it was like an animatronic like wink thing it was it was a moment honestly yeah it was um, definitely camp that was camp <laughs> um performativity excess all all that jazz yeah <laughs> um miss caitlin um so we we talk about how we have issues with moschino but i'm pretty sure moschino did not Katy perry's chandelier dress we talked about that with vicky we know what happened with that situation Ooh. but afterwards the hamburger dress the hamburger dress. It, it, it's not even a dress. It's just a giant fucking hamburger. But it was it's a amazing. lettuce dress. <laughs> it's a lettuce dress. But um, like, I love that. I just love. Honestly, she should have worn that thing. the whole night. Um, I think it would have been better. I think it it was and really not funny. copy off of. I mean, it probably copied off somebody, <laughs> but like, not copy off people I know personally. <laughs> um, I just want to mention a few more people. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be our favorites. Just people who stood out to us. Um, I didn't like this one at first. Okay. But Miss Kim K's Mugler moment. I hated it too in the beginning. Absolutely hated it. I was just like, it's not camp. Well, what are you someone said it about? looked like a cockroach, and I could not unsee that. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I couldn't unsee um, that. But, like, I just didn't like it. I don't know. Something was I off think from, from it. far away, you don't realize what's happening. Yeah. And you don't realize, like, you don't think it's camp. You're like, oh, it's just another, like, form fitting dress. Yeah, I, but when you get up close, it you was realize. a corseted moment. And my favorite thing was that she had water, the fake water droplets the, yeah, are coming off so of her. Yeah, it's so beautiful. So she was like coming out of the water. Yeah, uh, like and a like her hair is all wet. Yeah. So she's like 
straight out of the water. My favorite criticism I saw online was just like the outfit might have not been camp. I think mm-hmm. it is now. I think we're considering it camp now. But um, I, I think it's more high fa- fashion than camp to me. I think the water adds that element of camp. A but little bit. Not my point. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead. Um, I, I was that. Uh, Kim Kardashian herself mm-hmm. is camp, like her yeah. body is camp, like and how she oh so yeah. exaggerated, um, so surgically and how she altered, takes, how she takes pride in that, and I yeah. think that, that that sort of excess moment um really adds to the whole element. And this dress was made to show that off, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, that w- that was um, my little late bloomer moment of camp. Yeah, another moment was Zendaya, which. Her outfit was debatable if it's camp or not. To me, it's personally not camp. She was dressed as Cinderella. She had, like, this whole, like, underneath the dress was, was, like, this whole animatronic moment. There was smoke everywhere. The colors changed. It reminded me more of a Disney attraction than, like, a campy outfit. But I still love it. is Disney not camp, though? I mean, it's debatable because it's so corporate. You know what I mean? It's so corporate and, like, it's so recognizable. It's not an underground thing. Like, to me, the campiest thing in Disney is Ursula because it's based off of Divine. Like, Cinderella, to me, is not campy. And that outfit was not campy. But, the, but the, it was still great. The magic squirrel. Outfit. And I think that making reference to her Disney past in that way I, I got it, was, yeah. was very campy. Um, she was styled by uh, her personal stylist, La Roach, and um, w- her outfit was designed. I, uh, Roach's um, outfit was also designed by Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite thing also, uh, the whole performative nature of it was I think after midnight, after the show was ending or the party was ending, she slipped into a, a pink dress and she also lost a, a glass. Oh, slipper. yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that. She, she lost, lost a glass, a glass slipper, slipper on, on the, the carpet. Yeah. Um, Which is cute. But is it camp? No, not to me. Mm-hmm. But I, I still to th- me it was. <laughs> I still loved it because I just love Disney. But I feel like it's towing the line. I know. Mm. <laughs> Um, I think we should get into the big moment that was huge for drag queens. Yeah. Um, this is the first year um, drag queens were invited to be um, at the Met Gala. Yes. Um, we had three different people. We well, we should also like reference that to get invited, someone has to pay like $30,000. A designer has to pay th- that much for you to be their guest to wear their outfit a lot these celebrities don't usually get an option in what they're wearing they don't get any say they just are shoved in that dress and Mm. there you go go on the red carpet go do it yeah so that's that's in reference to everybody jesus christ yeah Um, and um this year they um i know through vicky who told me because she always has the inside tea um they wanted a lot of new faces mm. i mean how can you do a camp like red carpet, especially with the rise of drag race and not have drag queens on the carpet. That's Too bad. Crazy. They all disappointed us. Um, I mean, that's the unfortunate situation, yep. but <laughs> at least they were invited, you know, yeah. they weren't shut out one small step and five giant leaps backwards. Yeah. And I mean, maybe they didn't get an option what they were. I know RuPaul did, but um violet i'm sure and aquaria i'm sure did not out of the three outfits um i think violet did the best violet did the best Um, and like the so violet's dress was like the long black dress and like the the train was a hand she was like Like a a glove she was a satin glove yeah Yeah, she was a giant she was she was uh it was a moschino by jeremy scott um and honestly, I think that really worked. Um, uh, people were like, it's not camp. I guess they didn't see the train. Yeah. I think that was the problem. But still, the train isn't enough for me for it to be camp on the red carpet. She looked like um, 
She always she looked kinda, gorgeous. She, oh, she always looks gorgeous. She looked amazing. She I'm looks, obsessed with Violet, but um, she looks like the one of the villains from Plan Nine from Outer Space to me, and I always see that. So like, just seeing her, <laughs> it's usually in the black hair. She looks. Uh, it's sort of like an um, Elvira kind of character. A little bit. She, uh, she always gives me Dita Von Teese vibes. I see that too. Yeah. As obviously. Yeah, um, obviously. But um, I was really disappointed with um, Aquarius. Uh, Aquarius was a mess. Um, but it, I was more disappointed with RuPaul. <laughs> well, so the thing with RuPaul, everyone expected RuPaul being drag. I knew for a fact RuPaul was not going to get in drag. RuPaul has notoriously stated, unless you're paying him like $10,000 to appear, he's not doing drag. Yeah. I and got- also, I feel like without like the auto tune and like on the show, they still edit the like the wig line and like airbrush the face as much as you can on video without that Ru's not gonna do it like i guess mm -hmm. i don't know it was just it was just such a disappointment though i honestly do because so rupaul wore a we should explain rupaul like wore a tuxedo made by zaldi who does all of Ru's outfits to me it actually was a very campy outfit but Ru not bad it was ugly it was very ugly it was very campy which is fine camp can be ugly that's supposed to embrace that i know bit. she's worn it on the show but i would have preferred her wearing her her ugly rupaul dress do you know what i'm talking about no. she, it was the the divine challenge where they're all like dressing like the ugliest dress runway uh-huh. and she wore that one like sort of like retro 70s number okay it was hideous and i don't uh, really remember but i believe you um <laughs> you should remember it was an iconic moment caitlin <laughs> All 5,000 episodes um, logged in my brain. It was <laughs> season seven. It was the ugly dress challenge. All I remember is Katya's dress from that challenge because I loved it. <laughs> oh, that knit. Anyways, yeah, I love that. Besides anyway, the point. <laughs> this is what happens when you talk about drag race. Um, yeah, it was just, I don't know. But I I, I did think Rue's outfit was campy, but Rue not being in drag was very disappointing. I knew Rue wouldn't be in drag. Like, Rue is a very, very stubborn person. It's not going to happen unless Me you're paying too. him a lot of fucking money. I don't but. Know, I blame him. I just don't think he can do it anymore to himself. He doesn't, well, yeah. also, he hates talking, like, with a passion. Like, beyond, like when Rue is behind the the judging panel, like, Rue is She's wearing balls sweatpants. out. Balls out. Balls out. Love so, that So, Rue's not going to all night be tucked in a dress and a wig and all that other stuff. Well, going into that, mm-hmm. we should talk about drag and camp because I think that's okay. – um, our our highlight like that's a drag is camp a a baseline (laughs) yeah uh, well so if we're gonna talk about dragon camp we with the met um museum it's more about the fashion which is obviously camp that's one facet of it but mm -hmm. especially in regards to our lives in regards to just camp in general as Mm -hmm. a performance drag is kind of like a stepping stone Uh, in the museum they were talking a lot about um people cross-dressing and mm-hmm. not necessarily in a theatrical way, but just cross-dressing in life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely that background, but I think today a lot of the most well-known Queens are campy Queens, like the mm-hmm. living legends of drag. They're all campy. They're all very funny in like their sense of humor and their clothing. Like some of the legends like peaches, Christ, Farla G Merman. I would put Ben de la creme up there. Jinx monsoon. Cause those names are well known. Uh-huh. Lady bunny, RuPaul, <laughs> Lady bunny. obviously uh-huh. like those are campy Queens are very memorable. They have that very specific style, like stylistically very sixties, fifties. Uh-huh. that they always go back to the, that aesthetic and then their sense of humor is also extremely campy well i, I i'm just gonna go back to like drag as like a standard of campiness it's just like it's heightened gender so like yes. that at the borderline that's gonna be camp somewhere 
Um, and also heightened femininity to an extreme for for queens specifically. Yeah, for queens. Um, I'm I'm thinking like we contour our face to make it look like we don't have a square jaw and we have a ri- uh, uh, higher cheekbones yes. and that we have a little pointed nose, a like, tiny little nose. Like mm-hmm. the makeup itself is exaggerated and um, f- more feminine to look uh, give that appearance, but uh, also like. I think it's more of a trend now for makeup um, to show that um, it's like not blended in. It's like the really cut. Yeah, I do that contour. myself, yeah. and then people think I'm Lex. So, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> so um, but like that's the style. Like the Trixie Mat- Mattel made mm-hmm. that like kind of yeah iconic now for everyone's drag. Everyone kind of copied that style. Um, and but, Trixie obviously got it from like India Farrah, blah 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 blah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I was gonna say India. I was like, that's the first time I remember seeing. Like, well, Trixie like directly references India as. For her makeup inspiration, inspiration. or rip off, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. But um, like, I guess. Um, well, so on Drag Race, my issue is the campy queens, the quote unquote older ladies, are always considered the campy queens. They're always looked down upon. They have to leave very early in the season. Their humor is not appreciated. Their their um silhouettes are considered old and not like pushing the fashion lines because Drag Race is apparently about being cutting edge fashion. Uh, Aquaria <laughs> is, but like that's not the whole picture, you know. So I feel like on Drag Race, campy queens have always been looked down upon, which is crazy because that's it's such an integral part of what drag in america right now well not right now but historically what it's been i think maybe the issue there is that um campy queens often not often maybe but um they're seen as like a man in a dress yeah and that's a more problematic viewpoint now i don't think that's the issue i think they think it's dated like that style is dated Well, that's what i'm saying oh oh that's what you're saying okay (laughs) yeah in particular, I'm thinking about Nina West this past season. The judges really looked upon her um, outfits. They thought they were, it was very costumey. Yeah, a lot of the comments were like costumey. And like I can think of like a few instant like her red, white, and blue for the Snatch Game. Well, I the Halloween outfit where um, Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. Yeah. That was amazing. I um, loved it. But also her the outfit she went home on on the Makeover Challenge where it was like a pride outfit. Oh, yeah, pride yeah, outfit. yeah, the pride outfit. Um, but yeah, a lot of it was like looked down upon. And when I feel like it should be celebrated, I feel like that's an important part of drag culture in America the past mm -hmm. 50 years or so. Like Uh that's an important style. Like it shouldn't be looked down upon just because it's older. Well, maybe it's looking down upon because it is camp. Maybe we can't like handle camp anymore. Maybe we can't, which is crazy because like drag and camp are always linked to me. They're intertwined. Yeah. I don't know. It's but also, Drag Race just has a very skewed view on what drag is and who can do drag. So we can't really go to it as the holy grail that they want us to. Well, maybe looking past Drag Race. Okay. We already had our big Drag Race episode, Caitlin. I know. Well, Drag Race, she, she don't go anywhere. She don't sleep at night. Um, I'm thinking, like, the difference between Manhattan and Brooklyn okay. performances. There's a lot of, like, um, I think mixes themselves. We're always, like, making a narrative and like that in itself is a camp aesthetic yeah. because we're trying to, we're splicing together 16 different movies to tell you a funny haha joke about, I don't know. Well, I think with mixes, especially with Lipsinka, 
viewers mm-hmm. right now. It was always about desperate women in like mm-hmm. very over the top scenarios. They're screaming at yeah. someone in like in the worst like melodramatic moments in like monologues, and that is extremely campy. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I just think that like we're moving away from like the traditional narrative of camp, um, the camp that you're accustomed to. The mm-hmm. Um, into like different forms of camp and I like the the campy mixes the the different fashion I think we're still having like fashion moments on with drag but they're changing how they're being perceived and yeah they're still heightened they're still excess it's more of like a I think Paris is burning with realness we're moving away from realness we're looking to heighten fantasies of like Mm. yeah yeah living sort of like whatever by the way camp has not died if you go to provincetown every single show is campy as hell like i mean that performance style is not going away it will always entertain audiences yeah it's just the current audience expectations especially younger people Mm -hmm. is kind of changing i think i think camp will always be around maybe younger generations just don't recognize camp they might not, or they might understand it in a different way. Yeah. Like every queen using Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj is so freaking campy, especially all her verses. And that's the way camp lives on in the new generation. Every faggot mm-hmm. in Manhattan knows the monster verse. Um, uh, exa- <laughs> that's literally what I was thinking. Um, I think, Caitlin, we should close it off. But okay. before you say, any, um, do you have any final words? Well, so when I was doing my chapter on camp, it was very hard to find information about camp. It was very hard to find queens who would be willing to talk to me about being campy or doing campy numbers. But I was able to track down a few. And um, one of them was Sylvia Nix. She was on the YouTube series Camp Wanakiki. She's from Wisconsin. She also does the James Mansfield videos. They talk about wrestling. She's on James Mansfield's YouTube video a lot, um, videos a lot. So I'm going to just end with a quote that she says. So she tells me the most successful campy queens are not afraid to push the envelope and cross lines. They don't hold back. They don't censor themselves or beat around the bush. There's no joke too dark. They're not afraid of doing unconventional things with their drag or worry about being tacky. They're larger than life and come across as untouchable. They own their brand. And I think that's what camp is to me too. (laughs) I agree. I think we're getting there. Yeah. Camp's always going to be around us. Always. Especially with the, the homosexuals. The homosexuals. <laughs> Apparently, they're the only ones who can do camp. Um, only They're the only ones that can do it well. Teak. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, I agree. Um, and not just gay white men, too. No. <laughs> we need to move away from that narrative, yeah. for sure. Um, okay. That was Wigging Out. Wigging Out. Um, we'll see you soon, kids. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye. So I'm C Tepper. You can follow me at at C-T-E-P-P-E-R on Instagram. And you can also check out my book, The State of Drag, available on Amazon only for 99 cents and all proceeds go to charity. Ooh, I love that. You can follow me on Instagram at DragTheMartyr. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or dick pics, you can send them at DragTheMartyr at gmail.com. Artwork for Wigging Out came from Glitter Baby Online. You can find them on Instagram at Glitter Baby Online. Thank you.